It's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Thanks for listening tonight. As always, I'm Sandman, and I will be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call parareality. Well, hello to all my loyal listeners out there. How's everyone doing tonight? I hope that you're warm, safe, and dry, especially those of you who are in the Parts of California that's been hit by the snowstorm, plural, snowstorms now. Who'd have thought that there would ever be a snowstorm in California, right? And if you don't believe that climate change is the real thing, may I present this as prime evidence. Even the weather here in Nashville's changed over the years, too. Whenever I first moved here around 20 years ago, the winters were cold and we usually had a lot of ice with some snow occasionally thrown in there for good measure. And that's gradually changed over the years. And the snow and ice, well, it changed to mostly rain and sludge with the temperature changing to become a little warmer as well. And now the winters are even warmer than usual. And the rain that used to be snow has just about completely stopped. We even have some plants and flowers here in the area that bloom during the winter because the temperature is so much higher. But enough about climate change. That's not what we're here to talk about tonight. Instead, my co-host Easy e Eric, and I have a treat in store for you this evening. We've got some special guests on the studio line to talk to us. Their names are Mystery Mike, Declassified Dave and Slick Frank, and they're the hosts of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour podcast. The Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour is a podcast exploring the history and beliefs of the dark underbelly of the conspiratorial world. The guys have been doing their podcast for three years, and that podcast has garnered 200,000 downloads. They've interviewed guests like Ben Hansen, Nick Pope, D. 
David Icke, and Andrew Goh, just to name a few. They release new episodes regularly, and their podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. But to learn more, as always, you'll have to turn on, tune in, and find out. And now we're going to bring back something that I haven't had in a while. I've got some email that I need to read. I haven't read any listener email in a while, and I need to change that. So I've got an email from Paul that comes all the way from Glasgow, Scotland. And Paul writes, Hey, Sandman, I love the show. I've listened for a couple of years. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate you emailing me and telling me how much you enjoy the show. And I appreciate you being a loyal listener or sand fan, as I call them. I didn't coin that word. Somebody else did that. But what the hell? Sounds pretty good to me. So, Paul from Glasgow, Scotland, thanks once again for emailing the show. Thanks for being a sand fan. And I really appreciate you being one of multiple years. And I love, as you know, to hear from all, any of my listeners. So if you listen to the podcast and you've got a comment you want to to say, if you got something you need to get off your chest, if you want to tell me, hey, you suck, or maybe you've got a good idea for the show, I always love to hear from my listeners. And the easiest way to get in touch with me is to email me, sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com It's the quickest, easiest way to get your question, comment, or whatever about the podcast here. So thank you once again, Paul. I really appreciate you emailing the show and being a fan of Parareality. And I hope that you remain a fan for many years to come. All right, everybody. We have a fantastic show in store for you this evening here on Pair Reality. Eric and I have been talking to these guys, listening to their podcasts, and uh, we've actually tried to work getting these guys out on the show before, and it just didn't because of scheduling conflicts, didn't work it out. And now we finally have the ability to talk to the guys from the Hush Hush Conspiracy Hour podcast, and I am thrilled to have these guys on the podcast here on Pair Reality, man, they get into some really deep dives on a lot of conspiracy theories. And if you think you know some conspiracy theories, you are absolutely wrong until you listen to these guys because they know a lot. So on the line here, I have the three hosts from the Hush Hush Conspiracy. And, and guys, I know I, I always miss this, mess this up, and I'm, I'm so sorry, so please correct me. Here is the Hush Hush Conspiracy Hour podcast. I have uh, Declassified Dave, Mystery Mike, and Slick Frank. Guys, welcome to Parareality. It's a great pleasure to have you guys on the show. Thanks for having us on yeah, tonight, Sandman. Much appreciated. Yeah, guys. Uh, like I said, I've been we tried to work this out. I think it was last year, and schedules just didn't didn't jive and we had to, to postpone it. So thank you guys for being patient for a whole entire year and uh, finally agreeing to come on the podcast here. We were, we really looking forward to uh, talking to you guys. So, uh, yeah, social media. Go ahead. 
social media messages and such tend to get lost in the mix sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, they do. Uh, I know that I, I that we have reached out to you a while ago, like you said, so it's good to finally link up. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, guys, I have I haven't listened to every single one of your podcasts, but I do. Uh, it's, it's I got a subscription going on, so I do listen to you when I can, and I've listened to several of your episodes. And let me tell you, guys, you do some really really deep dives into your topics, and I'm just wondering, like, how much, how many hours of research do you guys do before you like put on a show? I think it depends on the topic. Sometimes it might take things might gel together. I, all three of us write the shows kind of alternating or mm-hmm. whoever picked the topic or whatnot. So it all kind of, if it gels really fast, it could take four and a half, five hours to put together an entire show or it could take three months depending wow. on, you know, what, the topic is and, and who's doing it. And we have our topic loosely based, like always 90 days in advance. So somebody's already doing their own research on something before we, we put something out and throw it in the schedule. Yeah. Three months. That's a long time to research something for, <laughs> but that's, that explains though, why you guys get into such a, you know, can get into such deep dives with, uh, with everything. That's amazing because I've done uh, several podcasts in the past where I've done, you know, two or three months worth of, of research and you just start getting going down this rabbit hole and you have to at some point you have to know where do you end it? Like when do when do I stop? You know, you need someone, to, you know, like to punch you in the back of the head and go, OK, you've done enough, <laughs> you know. So, guys, how did you um, look? before we start getting into to, to some of the, the things that you cover, I want to know, how did you guys like decide that you were going to do this podcast? How did you, how'd you come up with the, the concept behind this and how did you, how did you meet? Like, how did this whole thing come together? Um, so I previously had a podcast uh, that I was running uh, a movie podcast and I had a co-host, and the co-host had to leave the show for personal reasons. And it was kind of a, a situation where we fed off of each other. It was good back and forth. So it was very difficult to find a replacement in his capacity. Um, I had reached out to Dave a few times. I've known Dave for a long time, better part of 20 years now. And I reached out to him a few times to come on the show just to, you know, be the partner, be the, the guest co-host there. And, um, you know, he offered to join and I said, you know, I think it's run its course. I, I learned a lot during this podcast and I wanted to apply it to something completely new, something that, you know, we could all be invested in and not try to reform something that was already existed. So, uh, kind of, expanded on that and talked about it and figured out what we wanted to do. We were in the same vein of looking into conspiracies and mysteries and uh, fringe science type of type of subjects, uh, reached out to Frank and just kind of brought it all together. There were different iterations of the show and different ideas for the show. And 
eventually boiled it all down to what we have today, just fine tuning it really. Yeah. And it's, it's, when you're talking about stuff like this, it's always a work in progress. You never really get where you're perfected with anything, you know? And yeah. And just to elaborate on that a little bit, like, uh, that that rings true when it came to editing. So like the first maybe oh, yeah. 30 episodes we did, we were pulling hairs, pulling <laughs> hairs out over like trying to perfect it, perfect yeah. it. And it came to a point where it's like, this might be as perfect as it's going to get with this software until like, you know, we, we grew into video and now it's again, pulling hairs, trying to make yeah. it perfect. And it, it never will be. Yeah. The first yeah. few episodes that, uh, Eric was in doing um, co-host with me, I would just edit the hell out of everything. And I, I would spend more time editing than we would actually recording the podcast, you know? And eventually I was like, I can't, I can't keep this up. You know, this is a one man show here. I can't, <laughs> I can't keep doing that. So now it's just like, I spend very, very comparatively, very little time editing, you know, Dave, did you, uh, you had it like you were going to say something there. Oh, I think it varies. I mean, it varies with episodes. We have a, we have an audio, we have audio segments on our, on our Patreon and uh, those can still take depending on if somebody's eating, you know, ice cubes in the middle of a recording yeah. or we're pulling vape hits and, yeah. and uh, coughing fits, whatnot, my heavy breathing oh, in, in the mic, mm-hmm. it can take, you know, eight hours to, Mm-hmm. knock out 45 minutes of yep. audio without yep. it sounding absolutely like a war zone like, in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we're all three. I know, uh, that, uh, uh, Dave, you and, uh, mystery Mike were, you guys were friends, right? And slick Frank, how did you get involved in all this? Cause I know you live nowhere near these guys, right? Um, no, Mike and I have pretty much always been relatively close with, okay. with the exception of when he moved to California at some point, you know, like okay. 10 years okay. ago. But, um, Mike and I have also known each other for an extremely long time and okay. I've been into this sort of stuff for as long as I could remember. And he knew that and he figured, I guess between him and Dave, they figured, well, we could make this a three man and bring on a third party who is also wicked into the subject matters that relate to the the podcast. And it could be a good addition. And so I was invited on. And the rest, as they say, is history. Exactly. Well, I evolution, but definitely history. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like I said, I I have listened to several episodes of of your podcast, and uh, I know that you guys are are big into simulation theory, and so I want to get a little bit into simulation theory. So for those who may be listening to my podcast and aren't up to snuff on what simulation theory is, one of you guys take a, a brief 30 seconds here and explain to my audience what simulation theory is. Sure. So simulation theory suggests that reality as we know it is in fact some sort of simulation that 
we might just be codes of ones and zeros living out a life just like some sort of NPC in GTA five. The matrix, the matrix. Yeah. So how, um, like how deep do you guys get into like, like how deep are you going into this? Like, are, are you like, 100% 100% convinced that there's a, a distinct possibility that we're all living in some matrix-like environment? Or do you do you think that this is just something that is, like, it's plausible, but maybe not really, if that makes any sense? I'm 100% convinced that there's a possibility. I'm yeah. not 100% yeah. convinced that that is reality. Yeah. But... I'm convinced of the possibility of it. I forget who said this exactly, but it seemed to make a lot of sense to me at the moment. Somebody said that human civilization will either get to the point where we are so technologically advanced that we could create a lifelike simulation or we will go extinct before that point. We'll get hit by a meteorite. We will have some sort of AI takeover like the Terminator and we'll all perish but at, at some point or another, it's going to be one of those two outcomes. You've seen how technology has grown so incredibly fast in even the past 20, 30 years. Now, some of the, the computer-generated graphics, not necessarily AI-generated, but just computer graphics as a whole with advanced lighting systems and the renderings that are able to be made with some of these new graphics cards, they, 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 they look like footage. They look they're like camera footage. Unreal 5.1 engine. Literally, they're making TV shows at the backdrops with that engine instead of actually doing it out on a set. Like it's yeah. that realistic. Where a full full uh, a movie camera at that point. Yeah, I've seen uh, some like behind the scenes documentaries um, of some films where they've been doing that, and you can't. I mean, this is like two or three levels above green screen technology that that they're using here. So the fact that it is a plausible theory that if we're not already that we could at some point be living in a simulation, I think is is a it's a pretty good argument. You see a lot of glitching recently, especially on cameras. <laughs> a lot of glitching. Yeah. A lot so, of weird stuff. I I was say I had a I had a deja vu moment the other week that like stopped me in my tracks like it was it like made me like like my brain like stopped and I was replaying this dream that I had that I was literally I literally felt like I was in the place in real life where I had like my dream and I was deja vu is like that scene from the Matrix where Neo oh. sees the black cat twice I think and comes across but it was it was. It was weird and it made me think about simulation theory. You know, that's it's funny you should mention that because I had someone many years ago who was talking to me about his theory on what deja vu is, and he thought that basically we live our lives in this reality, and when we die, we basically go back to this reality and we have a chance to live our lives all over again and make different decisions. It's still yeah. the ex- pretty much the exact same life, but you get the the chance to make different decisions. 
And when you come across a feeling of deja vu, like what you're talking about, Eric, yeah, it's actually you are remembering something from that previous life that you were in that you're probably not supposed to remember, i.e. a glitch in the matrix. And he gotcha. was really touching on simulation theory. Now, this was back, this has been a long time ago. This was back probably in the late 80s, maybe early 90s when this guy was talking to me about that. So there was no you know, VR technology, the matrix hadn't come out yet or anything like that. So he was really talking about simulation theory without knowing that he was talking about simulation theory. So the idea for it has been around for a very, very long time. It's not something mm. that we just started talking about because of technology, at least in my mm. opinion, anyway. It's, you know, food for thought. Well, that also dives into um, the time loop theory. So like mm -hmm. what you're discussing is kind of going into like time loop where all periods of time throughout from the beginning of the universe to the end of the universe has happened multiple times, trillions of times, un unimaginable amounts of times. So this very same interview, this very same talk that we've had, we've had it a trillion times throughout all of history. Mm -hmm. And those are just glimpses into what we've done so many different times. Uh, very similar to uh, time slip theory, which I know Eric is is big fan of time slips. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's the uh, resident time slip theory person. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of that's kind of what I believe. Like say, um, uh, Nessie, the Loch Ness monster is. Mm. I I I don't. I like to talk about the Loch Ness monster, but I don't believe that there is a Loch Ness monster. If there was, it's dead. I believe you Alistair know? Crowley summoned it, opened a time space. Yeah, I. <laughs> Something along those lines is that, you know, what we're seeing is just, you know, glimpses into the past of where this thing was, mm. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting back to to, um, to simulation theory, guys, um, one of the things that uh, Slick Frank had, had talked about was, um, forgive me if I'm not using the, the correct uh, conspiracy no, theory good. terminology here yeah. and everything, uh, but one of the things that you had uh, – touched on, uh, I believe, was talking about how we're either going to invent the technology and have the technology take over, or we're going to get killed out because of this technology before it really gets a chance to like blossom into, into its full potential. But do you think that the technology that they're using now for simulation theory and all these advances that we've made in such a short period of time has anything to do with any, you know, back engineered alien technology. That's a fantastic question. That is a fantastic question. I haven't heard yeah. that brought up with simulation theory ever before. And I don't necessarily see why not, but if that were the case, would that. A cancer diagnosis is overwhelming. We understand. No matter what type of cancer you have, at Orlando Health Cancer Institute, you'll feel empowered with our fellowship-trained oncologists and surgeons alongside you. You'll feel hope knowing your care includes the latest innovations in research. And you'll feel brave with an extensive care team that feels like family supporting you throughout your journey. Learn more at orlandohealth.com cancer. Choose well. With Kroger Delivery, even if you don't live near a Kroger store, you can still get fresh groceries delivered to your door. 
Kroger's professional drivers guarantee your food is handled with care. And their refrigerated trucks mean that every order gets you extra fresh. Visit Kroger.com and start your cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As a Boost by Kroger member, you'll enjoy unlimited free delivery all year long. Sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial at Kroger.com slash boost. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Would that be saying that some sort of alien race is also doing something similar or they just so happen to have these massively capable computers? Because like when we talked about this on our show, we, we went into depth, like how large of a high powered computing system you would really need. Yeah. But that's so that's basing it. Yeah, that's basing it off of our human technology. Mm-hmm. Now, if some sort of extraterrestrial race showed up with a computer that could make a universe the size of a Dell laptop, that definitely could be the case. I've always thought that that was one of the um, ways that we could really be in a, a living in a sim environment. Cause I, I personally, I don't see like the evil mastermind who, you know, living in the secret base in, in the volcano, like Dr. Evil, you know, coming up and taking over the world with his simulation theory. But I think that an extraterrestrial presence uh, could very well have a, a stand a better chance to come in and do that to us without, you know, very, very subtly. And I was, I was watching the video and I, I blew declassified Dave's mind. I saw your mind blowing out of your head just a minute ago, declassified Dave. So, He's, looking, oh, he's um, looking at me like, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I had a thought. I have, I have another thought on that. You said like them coming here, but what if our inception is from them to begin with? Kind of like the Truman Show or like what we do with video games. We, we have a game called The Sims for yeah. 20 years. We've been controlling other people's lives in a, in a computer, and you do it with any video game, first-person right. shooters, mm-hmm. you know, any RPG. And if we're just a farm, or an actual literal simulation from yep. another race or civilization that's bounds ahead of us, then we could have just been created from yes. that mm-hmm. instead of just having them come here. But I've never heard of the, the concept. I never heard of the thought of having them come here in the meantime of our own reality. So that's a, that was a different take on that. Yeah. I like that. I, well, well, thank you. I, I kind of like to, uh, take a, a traditional view of, of uh, a theory or whatever and do the, the what if. Well, what if it's something different? What if it's, you know, have a little bit of a different spin on it? So, yeah, I've always thought that the possibility of us being put in a simulation theory would be plausible if there was some alien race that had the, this big capability that could come down. I mean, you know, maybe that's part of all of what the uh, alien reduction thing is about. They're plucking people up and, you know, simulating them to put in their game or using whatever knowledge they gain to figure out how they can, you know, better take control of us and put us into their their simulated reality. In the meantime, they're, you know, farming us out for, and and we just don't know it. They're using us as food or baby making factories or whatever, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, behind the scenes. And we just think that we're just living this life. And in reality, we're all in some sort of simulated 
theory and we're or you know reality and we're laying in a in a pod something like the matrix or or we're in a uh you know I don't know, some sort of Petri dish or something, I, you know? Well, I'm, I mean, and, and then from there you can go along the vein of, you know, you hear DMT stories about people who take DMT or mm. even um, uh, mescaline and where they're... Ayahuasca. Yeah, different things like that where it seems from their whatever's going on, whether it's based in the brain or whether it's based, whether they're able to escape their consciousness, um they're encountering other beings, whether it's the clockwork mm-hmm. elves or some sort of, um, you know, some sort of guardian threshold being that is like encountering them or sometimes even interacting. So is that, are we escaping the simulation for that moment and then they get brought back in or I don't, Maybe so. I don't know what's happening there, but there's, there, there are stories to suggest that that could possibly be happening. That's another interesting theory. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when when you're getting into entities that a collective of people are encountering, and even going as far as giving them a name, I I don't want to say a race necessarily, but this generalized type of being, like you said, clockwork elves and creatures of light, things of that nature. It, it takes away from the individualized story experience of, oh, well, he was just rolling on DMT and he saw some, you know, crazy stuff because yeah, yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come across these entities. Exactly. And the, those are something that you're only going to experience when ingesting those substances. And that is taking you somewhere else, one way or another. If those people are coming across those things and, those sorts of volumes, yeah. there's something to it. There sure. has to be something to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I I agree. It's it's the same thing as um, uh, sleep paralysis, uh, where people who experience sleep paralysis oftentimes see like some sort of like old hag type figure, you know. Um, mm. And I myself have experienced one time in my life an episode of sleep paralysis. And that's kind of what I, I saw was what I could only describe as would, I guess would be an old hag. And if, if you're familiar with, uh, the ring mythos from, from the movies, uh, Ringu, the original from Japan, but the, uh, what was the, the girl's name, Sarah or whatever, when she fell down in the well and she had the white gown on, the long, dark hair, and it was all mm-hmm. wet and everything, that is what I saw floating in the doorway of my bedroom. And it scared the absolute hell out of me. And I couldn't do anything about it except just lie there and be freaked out. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not the only person that's seen something very similar to that. So is it more than just sleep paralysis is it there's got to be something to it this you know maybe the old hag thing is real you know there's got to be something to it if if i'm not the only person that's seen it then surely there's got to be something more to it than just what i saw you know yep or on the other end of it we are all experiencing a collective subconscious memory mm. Ooh. so if if you're talking about DMT, for example, uh, Frank talks about people seeing these robotic uh, 
3D, 5D uh, dwarves or whatever they may be, um, is that just what you're seeing because you've heard the accounts of other people saying that they've seen the same thing and we're all just passing down the same collective memory of what we're of what somebody else has tripped out on are we all just spawning the same Mm. visuals from the first person that had that visual just the same as sleep uh, sleep paralysis are we all seeing the same thing that somebody has described to you before and now you're experiencing it and that's what your brain equates it to even further up on that what if the actual simulation theory could just be talking about consciousness. Now, that's what we see. We see the physical world. So if you're taking that and we're all seeing the same thing, maybe not. It could be exactly what Mike said. Your, your brain remembers it or manifests it from hearing it from somebody else. But what about the people that don't hear about it from somebody else, experience it themselves individually? Could we all just be kind of contacting a source code because consciousness yeah. is the actual simulation and reality is just a part, like a secondary of that simulation. Mm-hmm. It could be a part of it. It's a part of coding, you know, a building in a video game. They have to use code to write, yeah. to write a building. And declassified Dave and mystery Mike are getting deep into it, man. I like it. That's something that I hadn't thought about, you know, was, was that. So that's something I'm going to have to explore for sure. We want to revisit this topic. We, we did it a long time ago. I think it was a year and a half ago that we did it. And we had told ourselves when we were done with it, we were like, yeah, we're not done with it. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are just some topics where you're never really truly done with it. You can do however many episodes you want about it, and you're never really truly done with it. It's, it's kind of like me, and uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to – any of my podcast at all, but I can get into some deep dives on some uh, Nazis. And hell yeah, I mean i I can that that to me is one of those topics that I'll never get tired of talking about. Their you know occult mythos and and everything that they did, um, and I'll never be finished talking about the all the weird shit that the Nazis did. So I can see, you know, simulation theory is is something that will never, you'll never finish that, you know. I I think in about uh, over eighty episodes, we have maybe uh, four or five that we don't mention Nazis. So <laughs> <laughs> you can see how closely linked to conspiracy they are. Yeah, it's, it's an endless um, endless topic. It's, yeah. It's tough with the topics, especially the stuff that we cover and the way that we try to cover things is all within that hour realm. Yeah. You know, the show Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, you know, so it's like we try to stay within that realm. Um, I know that there's a bunch of podcasters, they'll go two, three, five hours deep into a subject. Um, and we tend to, if we know that something is going to go beyond that hour, if we know that something is going to go into the three, four hour mark, then we will already know right off the bat that it's going to be a multiple, a multiple part right. episode. Right. And that's how we run it. And that's so. how it should be run. Um, is it? No one's going to sit down and listen. I don't care how interested they are in a topic. No one's going to sit down and listen to, you know, 
With Kroger Delivery, even if you don't live near a Kroger store, you can still get fresh groceries delivered to your door. Kroger's professional drivers guarantee your food is handled with care. And their refrigerated trucks mean that every order gets you extra fresh. Visit Kroger.com and start your cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As a Boost by Kroger member, you'll enjoy unlimited free delivery all year long. Sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial at Kroger.com slash boost. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Simulation theory or stuff about the Nazis for three hours solid. You know? Yeah. You gotta have And if you do, you're tending to listen to one hour and then come back to it later and listen to another hour. You know, so you might as well just make it different episodes. Exactly. Exactly. That so, look. Anytime you guys w- want to talk Nazis, give me a call and I'll come on your show and I'll talk Nazis with you because I got, I got tons of Nazi theories and stuff, man. I'd love to talk Nazis. For sure. That sounds so weird when someone's. Like, I want to talk context, about Nazis yeah. with you. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to rethink that. I don't know. <laughs> so another thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about was uh, the Tavistock Institute theory. Now, this is the mother of all episode, guys. Brilliant. Yeah, this is the mother of all conspiracy theories. And I know Eric's going to have a ton of stuff that he's going to talk to you guys about. So for people who maybe don't know about Tavistock, I'm just going to kind of read down what I what I know about it. And you guys feel free to correct anything that that I may not get correct. So. The Tavistock Institute, this is a London-based nonprofit organization that, and I'm reading this from their from Wikipedia here. It says the Tavistock Institute is a London-based nonprofit organization that applies social science to contemporary issues and problems. Uh, Wikipedia, I believe, says it was founded in 1946, but really it was probably more like 1913 from everything, or even earlier from everything that I have have found out about uh, Tavistock. Um, and it really started gaining traction with this Tavistock Institute conspiracy theory back in 2015 when a dude named Daniel Estelin wrote a book called Tavistock Institute Social Engineering the Masses. And what this does is it proposes that uh, the Tavistock Institute is the world's center for mass brainwashing and social engineering activities. So it's basically like a psychological warfare uh, institute. Uh, how, how, how close am I with all that, guys? Pretty spot on. Pretty spot yeah. on, yeah. Okay. I paid attention in, in your podcast there. <laughs> I mean, you guys. Now, I've I, I admit I've I've heard Tavistock Institute. I've I've looked some stuff up about it. I've never really done an episode on it. And uh, when you guys did that Tavistock Institute episode on your podcast, it was so chock full of information and went so deep 
I know that was one of those things that you guys had to spend a lot of time researching, and I was really impressed with how that episode turned out because you guys, I mean, you just cranked it out with that. And I'm, I'm going to give you your props on, on doing that because that was a fantastically researched episode. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it blew yeah. my mind reading through that and, and talking about it with, with the guys. We were, I think I even say a couple times throughout this episode, I think I'm having a stroke. Yeah. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, it was eye opening to see that every aspect of your life could have been controlled yeah. from an organization that was thought of in 1913 and started in 1920. And it started as a psychiatric type of mm-hmm. uh, research for shell shocked soldiers in World War One, And then going into World War Two is really when it took the turn of, I guess, the term really psychological operation. Yeah, the nonprofit, and, and you know there are theories that these guys are behind like uh, World War II, naval intelligence, um, Woodstock, the Beatles, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> the I Grateful mean, Dead. Yeah, yeah, the Grateful Dead. Yeah, that was like yeah. <laughs> the Beatles. I'm like, okay, you know, I can I can get behind that, you know. And then somebody, one of you guys said the Grateful Dead. I'm like, what in the hell is that? <laughs> Who would think of that to come, you know? So yeah, that's some pretty deep, deep stuff. So um, Tavistock is one of those theories that um, it really reminds me very closely of the Illuminati and theory and you know could even be one in the same i i think it was at the end of our coverage of this topic one of us said that the tavistock institute might just be some sort of puppet hand Mm -hmm. of the illuminati like you just said i i i can't imagine it being necessarily one in the same just for the pure fact that there, there's so much information on the subject mm-hmm. readily available to us uh, where like it's, it's not necessarily like that for the Illuminati, but you're seeing all of these, everything that you, you listed that they played a hand in. Mm-hmm. Those are all huge world changing sorts of deals between the world wars and the hippie yeah. counterculture yeah. and the feminism and the, the workplace manufacturing uh, psychology methods that they implemented throughout the world. Those are absolutely societal changing, I wouldn't call them breakthroughs, but yeah, you get the point that it changed the world. So maybe the Illuminati or some other secret society running things is using them sort of to get the dirty work done, you know? The military arm, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the ones that are responsible for uh, coming up with the um, idea that uh, you have the quote unquote work family with your job, right? Yeah. To turn your work life into more of your family life. Mm. So it's like the whole thought process of when you go to your workplace and they say, we're a family. This is, you know, you come to work and we're, we're not your coworkers. We're your family. family. And that whole mentality and psychology was created by psychologists from the Tavistock Institute. They broke down the different departments and parts of workplace culture and essentially turned them on their head and rewrote the books. Um, A lot of the push for women in the workplace back in the forties and fifties was, was a think tank operation by Tavistock um, 
just how we refer to each other at our job, uh, a supervisor or a CEO or uh, somebody that's higher up refers to their annual salary in terms of what they make per year. Whereas the average worker refers to what they make per year, uh, you know, their wage as hourly. So it's just a mentality of, you know, somebody saying, I make $80,000 a year versus someone that says, well, I make $12 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So just that, that pure mentality of breaking down the average working class American. It's creating a a class system. Yeah. 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 You're, you're putting people in the groups. Yeah. And then you're also breaking down the family aspect of where you used to have families where the great grandparents, grandparents, kids, grandkids, everybody lived in the same house. Nobody left. They all, everybody made money a certain way. It might've been a family business, but now it's now the women are in the workplace. Now the dad's in the, you know, dad's in the, in the factory, the women's in the office, the kids have to get out by 18. You have to go to college to be successful. Mm-hmm. You have to all become consumers essentially. So it just really ramped up. And then two, there's a major branch off of this where the world health organization was created. Mm-hmm. So it just, it, sprink, it sprinkles into every aspect of, Pretty. This is why I had was having strokes. I was like, <laughs> this is every aspect of my life, from the shampoo yeah. I use to yeah. the way that I go to work during a brand new job and an orientation is run from the top down, from what this has been thought of. Yeah, yeah. You guys, um, you guys. <laughs> I was cracking up when you guys mentioned Unilever um, on the episode, which is behind all the major brands that we use for self care for food. And in college, I was part of a social entrepreneurship group, um, and there was a national competition and everything, a bunch of pitches, very corporate. And Unilever is the biggest sponsor. And at that point, I had no idea what Unilever was. And then I was like, oh, they're behind Dove. They're behind any consumer brand, but they don't advertise themselves. They put the little label right on the tiny, tiny corner of bottles. And it's just a little you, mm-hmm. but, um, but that, I mean, that's an example. I mean, they control pretty much all of that. And who would have thought that like some think tank, like the Tavistock Institute would have been behind something like MTV you know, like my, it's, yeah, it's a spider web. They just my generation. It. And I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm older than you guys. And my generation is the MTV generation. I was here, you know, when MTV started and it was a pay station and you had to pay extra money for it. And I remember rushing home from school as a kid, waiting to see the video to the song that I've been listening to. And we didn't have MTV, but I could turn to the channel and it was scrambled and I would try to look through the scramble wave so I could see the video, you know, and, and, and going, God, I wish I could see this video. And the, the revolution that that was to, uh, what, what we call tweens today from, from kids, the age of 12, all the way up to people in their, their mid twenties, the impact that that television station had on that group of people, myself included, was absolutely phenomenal. And it was 
you know, you look back on it, you go, man, that was a great time to be alive. And it was because I got to witness something that was a cultural revolution, you know, and it's just something like stupid music videos. But up until that point in time, you really never got to see what the people who were playing your favorite song you were listening to looked like, you know. And now here they are in these stupid videos. And these videos made absolutely, if you've ever sat down and watched music videos from the early 80s, they make no freaking sense whatsoever. <laughs> Zero sense. You know, but it was the coolest shit in the history of mankind to to my generation. Mm. You know, and to, and to sit back and think that, man, this Tavistock Institute could have been the people who were directly responsible in one shape, form, or fashion for that cultural revolution. That's what blows my mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mike and I are very similar in age and we were, I think our, our generation of the. With Kroger delivery, even if you don't live near a Kroger store, you can still get fresh groceries delivered to your door. Kroger's professional drivers guarantee your food is handled with care. And their refrigerated trucks mean that every order gets you extra fresh. Visit Kroger.com and start your cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As a Boost by Kroger member, you'll enjoy unlimited free delivery all year long. Sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial at Kroger.com slash boost. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, MTV was getting home from school and watching TRL. Yeah, you know, and, mm. and watching you know that Carson Daly standing there and doing the countdown of the music videos. But I vaguely remember as a young, young, young kid, the I never remembered MTV as a paid subscription. But that's that's pretty that's pretty. Well, it was where wild. I came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is awesome. That's it's a fun fact that I didn't know. Uh, but the the MTV I remember was literally you went home and you were drawn to the TV, whether it was a certain cartoon program or mm -hmm. just the music that was on it and the interviews and yeah. uh, some of the broadcasts that they did. It was, it's, it literally shaped, it shaped me as a person, even as a yeah. musician. Like, so mm -hmm. it, I can see how the weight of that. Yeah. And it, it totally influenced uh, people, not only like what music they listened to, but how a whole entire generation dressed and acted, what, what they bought as far as, you know, consumables, you know, thanks to this one television station and someone's it, setting that agenda though. It, it, yeah. And it takes like my whole childhood experience of thinking about, Oh man, I was there when MTV was invented and I got to see the evolution of this. It takes all of that and just takes a big shit right on it, you know? And I'm like, God, so this wasn't the big cultural revolution that I thought it was. This was contrived, you know. Well, it, <laughs> somebody I mean, was said, "Yeah, let's do this." No, I mean it. It was a cultural revolution, but was it planned? That's the thing. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it was on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just one of those things that took off. Yeah. That's what I'm. I, I maybe very poorly said on my part, but that's what I meant was <laughs> yes, that you know yes. it was. This was you know 
somebody planned all this out and said, yeah, this is, this is going to be how we, we control the kids, you know, <laughs> rock and roll through and video. If you, if you really think about it, MTV was one of the biggest turning points to the reality television uh, mm. trend. So the if you think world. about it, real world, uh, things like that, that, oh. that stuff did not exist before mm-hmm. MTV came along. Nope. And now if you look at it, what was the entire purpose of reality television? The entire purpose of reality television is to watch real people, right? right? And now if you look at what reality television is today, it's centered almost entirely around pop artists, around uh, movie actors, around TV stars. It's not the average person anymore. It's the idols. Yep, it's the sure. people that you are entranced and supposed to watch. You're supposed to watch how they live. You're supposed to be enthralled with everything that they do, and it keeps you locked in. That even is if so you, awesome. I, even I'm if, sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> even if you look at a lot of the reality TV shows like Survivor, you look at Survivor, you look at Alone, you look at those those survivalist types type of reality shows. That is that is supposed to be like how humans really live, maybe not survivor, but being out there in the wilderness. And it takes it to that extreme of you look at the television, you watch somebody doing something that a human is naturally supposed to be able to do as a survivor in this world, as a hunter gatherer. And you look at it and you go, I could never do that. That's insane. (laughs) And it makes you psychologically think that you are inept. And it keeps you in this bubble of hold on to your phone. If everything were to go to shit tomorrow, you wouldn't know what to do. You would lose it all and you would just, you would drown in everything that surrounds you. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Everything reality TV wise is meant to make you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's meant to make you feel like garbage. (laughs) To play devil's advocate with the reality TV. Do you think it was also programmed subtly? With the all of the the family sitcoms, like like you know Family Matters or Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know just those two for examples are you know uh, Full House. Do you think that that was subtly to bring to come, kind of come full circle to bring it back to like well you still have to be a part of the the family aspect, family and unit. then you have Nickelodeon coming out with the the game shows, the Family Double Dare and, yeah. and whatnot, the thought of the nuclear family, yeah. Yeah, the nuclear family is, like, that's at the heart of everything. But yet, if, like you were saying, Mystery Mike, if, if the world were to go to shit tomorrow, you're not going to survive, even if you're a family unit, because you, you can't do these things. Well, think about it this way. So if you look at the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, if you watch All those shows, <laughs> nuclear families were a thing that didn't even have to be discussed. It's not something that had to be thrown in your face. It's not something that had to be uh, an abstract idea because it was so normalized that you would have a mother, father. There was no divorce. There was no separation. And if there was, it was in very, very small numbers. So back then it was a totally different thought process behind the thought of a nuclear family. As we strayed farther and farther away from that idealistic image of what a family is supposed to be, you come back around to the early 2000s and you look at these family shows 
that are put in front of you and you go, oh, that's so wholesome. That's so nice. And you look at it a completely different way now because it has turned into an abstract idea. The thought of a whole family together, being able to solve problems together, being able to be wholesome, to do the family things together mm-hmm. has become so such an out-of-the-box idea that that's why we're drawn to it now. That's a very and then interesting the, point. Yeah. The shows that came after that in the late mid-2000s, 2010s, showed families like the Kardashians, but they're mm. always at war with each other. Yeah, and it almost seems like it's like it's like seeding that thought of, well, even if they're family, screw those people. I'm doing yeah. me. Yeah. And that that's where I think things took a real another like another like it's almost like ebb and flow. I think that that's where something took another turn to where you have, you know, like the Kardashians and then you have things like Jersey Shore where it's just fighting the whole time. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of these reality TV shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, it's all fighting. It's yep. all people with drama, drama, mm-hmm. drama. It's not like, well, the turkey got dropped in the rain puddle. Yeah. We all got to figure out how to how make do- Thanksgiving yeah. work. Yeah. My wife uh, loves the Real Housewives series. I mean, like there's like 10 different Real Housewives shows, and she probably watches seven of the 10. And it's always, always, always these rich bitches fighting with one another and there's i mean they call them real housewives but that's just in the title of the show because none of them are number one they're not real they're everything about them is fake and but they're not housewives really you know and it's all about controversy and my wife loves it she just eats it up and in her reality as a person if she had a friend that was just like a third as bad as one of these bitches, she'd cut them out of her life in a heartbeat. But yet she sits down and watches this shit like every night, just glued to the TV, like, you know, not blinking, staring at it. And just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, like, like you were saying, Eric is like someone sit down and planned this, you know, and said, this is how, you know, where this is how they break us down. It's that what's well, that social engineering? Yeah, that portion. That social engineering. Yeah, Tavistock, I guess, is good at, and all the, all the continuous data that, is collected on us every day of our lives. It's well, used somehow. They're not just collecting it because they now, like it. If we're talking about Tavistock doing social engineering through things like reality TV shows or MTV or or stuff like that, using media as a form of social manipulation. What are you guys, and I'm specifically referring to uh, Slick Frank and Mystery Mike and Declassified Dave here. What are you, what are you guys, have you sat down and looked at what's going on in the real world as far as all of these mass shootings and stuff that's happening? Is this something that is... In your opinion, is this something that is a result of like rebellion from all of this social engineering that that Tavistock is doing to us, or is this just another, you know, secret plot by Tavistock to manipulate us for whatever nefarious reason? Hmm. Uh, I think my personal thought is that. 
it's gotten bigger. And I like how you said media because I was, that was my next thought was it's gone not just from reality TV and entertainment. It's gone to our daily lives. Everything mm-hmm. is controversy between all of us. It's if you're unvaccinated, vaccinated, you're red, you're blue, you know, you're, you're, you're this pill, that pill, yeah, mask, you're no this mask. type of person. Yeah. Yeah, you're whatever, you know, you're vegan, you're not vegan, everybody's fighting over meat and not meat, like, whatever it is, everything's divided and there's controversy, and I think, as it regards to the mass shootings, it could be a byproduct of the way that it's been engineered to maybe completely degrade our mental capacity to be as strong as we possibly can be as humans, but it also could just be another one of those Sunday night boardroom think tanks where they're like, well, let's add this to the mix and see what happens to the, to the whole collective. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I was uh, thinking about as I was listening to your episode about Tavistock was um, my background is in, in healthcare and emergency preparedness and, and stuff like that. And I've done a lot of uh, active shooter scenarios, drills, simulations, whatever you want to call them. And it's, that's a, a, an area of my professional life outside of this that I'm very passionate about. And one of the things that um, I was thinking as you guys were, were talking about your, your Tavistock uh, theories was that, you know, I'm thinking that all of these people that are suddenly snapping or whatever and going out and, and shooting up all these places and all these unarmed people is a, like, this is, an unintended result of what Tavistock is doing to us. It's like the the reaction that people are having when they've just they they're overloaded and they can't take you know I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore you know and they just they just act out. So I, I don't know, and that may be something that you guys had never even you know thought about. But once again, that's just my weird brain bringing something into the mix. No, that's that's a. Thought I was muted and I wasn't. Um, that that's a fantastic point. It definitely could be an unintended result, and that was one of our key takeaways from this this subject when we covered it was the, the fact that this could either be a puppet hand of some sort of Illuminati, or it genuinely is just some think tank out in the UK with multiple facilities. And they really are just messing with society to see what will happen. Just, just purely experimental. And that, that could be the reality of it. And when you're doing experiments, you will sometimes get unintended results and the, the mass shootings, that's not to say it's definitely directly correlated to MTV music videos or the, the products you decide to use in the shower or whatever it may be. But as as a collective of their social engineering and the degradation of society and morals and the atomic family as a whole, that could push people to those sorts of violent outcomes. And you're right. Maybe they didn't see that as a possibility when, when engineering society for the past, how long, you know, hundred years plus or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that the, what mystery Mike brought into the, the mix of, about the, the nuclear family, I think that is uh, something that's, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way. But that's, that's a very good point that mystery Mike made was that at one point in time, so much emphasis was placed on the nuclear family. And for whatever reason, now it's changed 
and it's fighting within the family, and that's the normal. And it's you know, f you guys, I'm going to look out for number one. I'm on my own, and you know that is very that is something that's very plausible from a think tank that's sitting out there. Just well, let's let's manipulate, let's change this, you know, and let's let's see what happens. And like uh like Slick Front was saying, there's always going to be some unintended consequences. And I'm wondering if what, and it's not just the the mass shootings, but that could be one part of it. I'm wondering if the chaos that we're seeing in the world right now with, uh, like Declassified Day was saying, you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, red, blue, you know, mask, no mask, whatever. Are all of these things unintended consequences of the, you know, century plus manipulation that we've had on us by this, secret organization and now they're have they lost control are they now in the middle of losing control after they've had it such a tight grip on us for so many years you know is this is this the result maybe the unintended result hell maybe they maybe this is what they want if you if they're tied up with the illuminati and the new world order then it's always chaos that's the end result right that's what they're looking for i i tend to could have had a no go ahead I was just gonna say I I tend to think it's it's intended because if you keep people fighting with each other, then they're distracted from what's actually going the real on. Real stuff. Yeah, yeah. What's actually you know what's actually going on around the world and recently, <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on. I mean, pick mm-hmm. your country, and there's mm-hmm. uh there's a ton of stu- ton of stuff you could choose. Um, so I tend to think it is. I mean, it's gonna vary from. Are you living in the U.S. or are you living a in a communist-controlled China? You yeah. Know? Um, you, you took the thought right out of my head. I was yeah. kind of going to say the exact thing. It could it could definitely be intentional. They could have just had a board meeting and saying like, "How do we divide people as many ways as possible?" Mm-hmm. And then people are just spitballing on a list. You know, like, "Oh, let's uh, get the mat over uh, bodily choices." Okay, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get pissed off. Yeah. That's well, you have possible. to you have to kind of take it at a thirty thousand foot view, right? Yeah. So we, as people, we tend to look at subjects and problems individually. If we look at it and just kind of scale it back and look at an overall picture of it, if you break down something that you trust the most, what is the one thing in this world that you're supposed to trust more than anything in this world? your family. Mm-hmm. If you break that down, then you have lost what's closest to you. You lost what you trust most in the world. If you inject fear into every situation, mass shootings, uh, somebody's going crazy, somebody's killing their kids, somebody's, you know, whatever it may be, you inject this fear into the overall society. Then you start to look at, okay, if we put this into the newsreel and keep putting it out there, this feeling of uneasiness and this feeling of it could collapse at any moment. Now we are kind of like an animal put in a corner, right? Yeah. And we start to become more violent. We start to become more reactionary to the things that are around us because we don't know what the hell to do. Mm. If we look down the road from all these things that are happening and the way that it's being set up, What is the one constant that has always been there for all of our lives? Everybody here, we've all been alive. The one constant 
has always been the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The government has always been there. It's been there for the past almost 300 years now. So when we lose things that we trust, we lose everything that we trust, we lose all this hope that we have in humanity and the people around us and the things that we've come to, to depend upon, who's going who's gonna to walk in and be the hero of the day? Who's going to come in and say, we know that you lost your job. Let's give you some government assistance. We know that there was a, a natural disaster that happened. Let's put you into these camps and let's take care of you and feed you. And we know that your family fell apart. We know that this happened and everything looks really grim and the economy is kind of falling apart, but we're going to take care of you. Mm. What's more inviting than a helping hand when you're at your lowest, lowest point? Well, yeah, pulling you out of the gutter. I think it's created a fight or flight mentality and a defensive and division with those four words. And it could entirely be intentional that that's what it's creating because when you start dividing people, people still congregate into certain, you know, factions or or whatever you want to call them, but it still creates division and it creates, like Mike said, you're inciting fear, which we're animals and we're survival of the fittest. It creates those four words, fight or flight and division of defense. And it creates so much defensiveness in our culture. You could literally not let somebody go at an intersection and then they want you to go and you want them to go and you're like, no, you're good. You're good. And they're like, fuck you. Yeah. And you're yeah. you just didn't go first yep. and uh, simple stuff. And it turns into fist fights in a Dunkin' Donuts drive through <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, but if you're talking about the division of groups, okay, you, you brought up a good point. You're talking about the division of groups. Well, what has it always been? It's been Republican versus Democrat. Then it goes conservative versus liberal. Then it goes, okay, well, uh, North versus South. That that was that was the big one since the inception of the country. Hey, North versus South. It, then it yeah. <laughs> right right twigs versus left twigs. Right yeah. twigs, left twigs. Yeah. Uh, right then twigs it becomes vaccinated, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Are you for women's rights or against women's rights? Are you for abortion? Are you against abortion? Are you for trans? Are you against trans? You are putting people into these micro groups now because you are going down further and further into these topics and further and further into the belief systems of human beings. Now, I could believe in A, B, or C, and you could believe in A, B, or C, but if I don't agree with you on D, then I'm an outcast. You want nothing to do with me. So as you scale down further and further into the psyche of human beings, especially Americans, and you say, hey, you don't like this. Well, they don't like this. You're just making those groups that people are getting into smaller and smaller, which makes it easier to divide and conquer a a group. It'd be a lot easier if it was 50-50, but it's not 50-50. No, definitely not. And Miss Remock, I want to add one thing to what you were talking about earlier about the government being the constant and, you know, coming in when we're at our lowest point, lost your job, here's some money, you know, lost your home, don't have any place to stay, come stay in this trailer. We'll feed you. You know, I agree that that's, you know, part of, part of the whole thing, but the government is also so horrendously bad at doing that. You know, um, they're slow to react and, 
what they give. And I, I understand you can't, I mean, the government's job is to take care of America as a whole, not you as an individual. And I think that's where people kind of come to an impasse is think, well, what about, what about me? You know, uh, why, don't, why don't you take care of me? But the government needs to take care of us as a whole. But when things do happen and the government swoops in to quote unquote help, they are just notoriously bad at it. And that's the, that's the only like problem that I see with your theory that you have there is that, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but I just think that the government is so bad at doing that. You know, they're, they're trying, but they suck. They just, and I work, look, I work for the government. So (laughs) I'm not afraid to say the government sucks when it comes to stuff like that. Do you think the government sucks at it because they have 400 million employees thinking of as citizens? I mean, realistically, I worked for a multi-billion dollar company that's all over the world for six years, mm-hmm. and they were a disaster yeah. administration-wise, organizationally, mm-hmm. and we had 100,000 employees. With Kroger Delivery, even if you don't live near a Kroger store, you can still get fresh groceries delivered to your door. Kroger's professional drivers guarantee your food is handled with care, and their refrigerated trucks mean that every order gets you extra fresh. Visit Kroger.com and start your cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As a Boost by Kroger member, you'll enjoy unlimited free delivery all year long. Sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial at Kroger.com slash boost. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Imagine having 400 million people you got to take care of. Yeah. And your administration has trouble taking crap because he's 80 years old yeah. at the top. Yeah. So, and the fact that none of these organizations, whether they're a three letter, uh, alphabet soup type of organization yeah. or their uh, a state organization, federal, the the White House. None of these people really always play ball or communicate. There's mm-hmm. always something secret. There's all compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're never going to have a group unless it's collectively a group. And I think there's that division that's still that's always kind of been in the government for a very long time. And that's probably why they suck at it because there's yep. just too much going on. Yep. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. There's too too many um, uh, chiefs and not enough Indians, and no one wants to sit down at the table and compromise. And getting back to, to Tavistock is you know is that designed? Is that purposely designed by Tavistock to keep everything in turmoil all the time, just so they can do their little social experiment? Something to think about. Uh, Guys, we're, we're, one we're question go ahead. You go. go ahead. Sorry. One question no. for everybody here. Do you think that you are less of a dupe and less of a normie than some people throughout this whole process or because you have to use Unilever to, to wash your hair? Have you, do you have to use to come to this whole process? Did you get got or are you aware of it, but there's just no avoiding certain aspects of it for me personally i think it's a little bit of both i think 
I I got got, you know, but now that I'm I'm aware of it, it's it's so big that I don't really there's I don't see that there's personally a lot that I can do about it. I can start, you know, let me look for products that don't have that on there, but those are hard to find and probably expensive. You know, so I think it's for me personally speaking, it's a little bit of both, you know. And it, look, I'm not I, I don't like this whole term woke, you know, like, oh, you're you're so woke and blah blah. I, F that man. I I hate that term, but I don't consider myself to be a woke person, but I do consider myself to be maybe a little bit more informed about what in the hell's really going on than the average Joe, you know? But not woke. Woke has that. changed though. In the last I like, couple of years. Yeah, I like that you brought up woke because the entire uh, usage of that word has flip-flopped over the years, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. Because woke used to be uh, something that we would use as conspiracy theorists. When are you yep. going to wake up? When are you going to be a, a woke person? Mm-hmm. And now uh, it's been overtaken <laughs> to mean something completely opposite. Yeah. Now the um, woke are the normies. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Uh, guys, we're we're running over a little bit over an hour here, but I I just want to take a minute and I want to uh, bring up something that um, you kind of touched on on one of your episodes. Uh, the the very last episode that I've listened to you guys, and I've kind of done like a, I haven't listened to anything like in order, so I've kind of you know skipped around and stuff. But the the very last episode that I listened to you guys, it was the other day, and it was about uh, the Roanoke Colony. Um, I I can't remember when you when you did it, but it has I don't think it's been all that long ago. But um, that's something that I've touched on in uh, several times in my podcast, and you guys got so close to one of the things that I have come to a conclusion of. I just want to take a minute, and I want to talk about the Roanoke Colony with you guys. I know we're running a little bit over time, but you know what? It's my podcast. If I had to split this up into two episodes, I will. So um, you guys had done an episode where you were talking about uh, all the different theories of what could have happened to the the lost colony of Roanoke would back in uh, when they hit in 1587, I believe is when they landed. Um, So one of the things that I have come to the conclusion of, and I'm very, very passionate about this, is you guys touched on that they were, they could have been um, absorbed by some of the local Indian tribes, more appropriately the the Croatoans or the Croatans, Mm -hmm. however you want to pronounce it. Um. I think that you were so very, very close. Have, have you guys ever heard of the Lumbee Indians or the Lumbee Native Americans? L-U-M-B-E-E. No. Oh, Mystery Mike, have you heard of them? Can't say that I have, no. I, you know, that doesn't surprise me. I knew that all three of you were going to say that. So the Lumbee Indians are native to North Carolina. They are what used to be the Hatteras nation which used to be the croatons if you believe in the legends so there is a theory out there that the lumbee indians are direct descendants of the lost colony of roanoke and if you look at and i've done a lot of research i've got some i, I haven't finished with everything yet but if you look at the name of the colonists 
that were on the ship in 1587, and you look at some of the last names of the the people who are in uh, Lumberton, Pembroke, North Carolina area, which is where all those those people are. Uh, there's like there was I think ninety something colonists um, that landed, and there are over forty Lumbee Indians who have the last name or a different spelling of the name of the colonists. And the Lumbee are the largest federally unrecognized Native American nation, maybe in the world, but definitely east of the Mississippi. And the reason that the United States government won't recognize them, uh, many faceted reasons, but one of the things is that they don't look Native American, they don't have their own language, and they don't have a lot of the traditional things that Native Americans do. So when uh, the quote-unquote white man first ran into them, there's they had uh, gray eyes or blue eyes, and they spoke like a Protestant dialect, and they had their uh, Protestant religion. And they all say, you know, we got it from the white man. So I think that if you were to do some deep diving just a little bit more, you were so close, I was hoping you guys were going to bring it up. But if you were to do some deep diving, I think that you would be very, very fascinated by the connection between the Lumbee Native American nation and the lost colonists of Roanoke. So if you ever want to go revisit that, Take a look at the connections between the two because I think you'll find that it's very, very fascinating and probably it's it once you once you get woke <laughs> to coin a phrase once you get woke to that idea it's it's hard to unsee once you've seen it. So, yeah, there's been a few occasions where we will do an episode and then of course it's one of those things where you figure out you you know you find out a piece of information after you've already done the episode. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, uh, you mentioned that I thought of, um, and I, and I found this out probably a week after we released the episode, but the, uh, what are they called? The Chara? I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's, it's a different tribe that's around the same kind of area. And they were known to, uh, marry and, and mate with, with whites. Yep. Chira, um, I think is the pronunciation. Chi, is it Chira? Chira. Yeah, yeah. So, um, they they were a group that were known to kind of kind of intermingle um, along with African slaves. So that was another thought that I had uh, along that same line is that they did kind of meet another group and just kind of meld into them, you know, for for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. The 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 Lumbies have never been. Um, they've always owned their own uh, their own land. They've never had anything that was handed out to them by the. Uh, the federal government and they started their own school system and from like kindergarten all the way up through the university level and their 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 university is uh is called the University of Pembroke and it was just a few years ago absorbed into the uh University of North Carolina system so it's hmm. University of North Carolina at Pembroke now but they founded their own school system for Native Americans, and they went through a lot of um, uh, segregation stuff, you know, uh, back in the the 50s and the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, there is a, there was a colonist whose name was Henry Berry, and 
I'm trying to look at it, trying to remember what his name was. B-E-R-R-Y-E was how he spelled his name. And the Lumbees have a their quote-unquote hero who was actually an, an outlaw that went around. He was like Robin Hood, Robin from the rich and given to the poor. His name was Henry Barry Lowry, which, you know, that's that's either one of the biggest coincidences in the whole world or there's something to it, you know. Um, hmm. But, yeah, I just uh, – I was listening to your Roanoke thing, and I was like, oh, man, I, I wonder if they're going to, you know, mention the Lumbies. And, and you were close. You got close. I'll give you, I'll give you props. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely seems like a viable outcome, a little bit more viable than, like, a massive alien abduction or getting oh, killed uh, by yeah. the Knights Templar or something. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Um, there's this guy named Adolf K. Dial who was Lumbee, and he wrote probably the most famous book called The Only Land I Know. When I say the most, fam- the most famous Lumbee book called The Only Land I Know. And uh, it's not a book that you're just going to pick up and go, oh, God, I got to read this book, you know. But um, if you are if you need it for research purposes, you know, I, I, I recommend it if you're if you're going to look into that. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up just, just because I it's something that uh, – I've talked about before, and those those were my conclusions. And um, I will have to say, I had to have to give a plug. My wife is Lumbee, so that's how I figured. <laughs> that's how I got hey, you know you mixed go. in <laughs> mixed in the whole thing, you know. And um, yeah, so it's it's very interesting. So if you guys ever want to do a, a another dive into that, definitely look into with the way you guys do research. Uh, it you you'd be surprised at the stuff that you would find. It's either like we, a uh, with Kroger Delivery, even if you don't live near a Kroger store, you can still get fresh groceries delivered to your door. Kroger's professional drivers guarantee your food is handled with care. And their refrigerated trucks mean that every order gets you extra fresh. Visit Kroger.com and start your cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As a Boost by Kroger member, you'll enjoy unlimited free delivery all year long. Sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial at Kroger.com boost. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Go ahead. Yeah, we've actually discussed doing uh, an entire season of just revisits, just like part twos and part threes of stuff oh, that yeah. we've already done, just because there's so much to a lot of these subjects. So Yeah, there's, there's, it's, like I said, some of these things you're never, ever going to really finish. You just, you know, come to what conclusion you can and then wait for some new info to come out and then do a follow-up. <laughs> Yeah, or you get the email later that's like, oh, I can't believe you guys missed this. It's yep, like, exactly. Oh, sorry, sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, like some weirdo like me was like, you didn't talk about the Lumbee Indians in your Roanoke special. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, we, we close out every episode with, hey, if we missed anything, reach yeah. out to and us, I, let us know. I like the way you know? that you guys do that. So speaking of closing out the episode, we need to start wrapping this up. So guys, why don't you just take a minute and let my listeners know, number one, the name of your um, podcast again and how they can, like, subscribe, where they can find you, social media, stuff like that. Let my listeners know so they got, can uh, find you guys pretty easy. Sure. You want to do it? <laughs> Go for it. You want to you draw straws? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are from the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. We uh, hushhushsociety.com. You can find all of our 
episodes, blogs, links, all that good stuff. You can find us pretty much on all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, the usual. Uh, we have a Rockfin channel. Just look for Hush Hush Society. We're pretty much the only Hush Hush Society out there. So if you can remember Hush Hush Society, you will find us. If you're into um, conspiracies, mysteries, true crime, fringe, science, uh, cults, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy us. Eric, you got anything you want to ask the guys before we sign it off here? Um, I would just like to say I'm going to refer to the Tavistock Institute as the Travis Scott Institute from now on. So <laughs> just want to clarify that one. <laughs> Frank loves it. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't stop saying it. Dude, I same. Stop. You know, and right before you guys mentioned that in your episode, I was like, Travis Scott Institute. What? I wonder if there's yeah. something to that. But like Googling Travis Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, it has been a pleasure to have you on Parareality. I would love to get you guys uh, on again so we can take some uh, deep dives and some more of your favorite conspiracy theories. Um, Everybody, I have been talking to Declassified Dave, Mystery Mike, and Slick Frank from the Hush Hush Conspiracy Hour podcast. Did I get it right? I always want to say Hush Hush, Hush Hush Society. Yeah, yes. I don't. I don't yes. I, I, the society thing always throws me off, but you can it's, find it's a those, mouthful. It is. It is a mouthful. Uh, so you can find them on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Check them out if you haven't. These guys take some deep dives, do some really good research, and they have some great episodes. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. And I would love to get you guys back on again sometime. If you're looking for some time to fill and you don't have anything to do, give me a shout and we'll get you on and we'll just talk about whatever comes up. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. And uh, we will be talking to you guys really soon. And uh, everybody – Declassified Dave, Mystery Mike, Slick Front, check them out. These guys are great. They got a lot of info on some conspiracy theories, some stuff you probably never even heard of. So once again, guys, appreciate it, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Well, that about does it for tonight's episode of Parareality. I really hope that all of you out there enjoyed my interview with Slick Front, Mystery Mike, and Declassified Dave of the Hush Hush Conspiracy, our podcast. Those guys get into some deep dives with a whole bunch of conspiracies. If you haven't checked them out, make sure you head on over there and check them out. You can find them on your favorite podcast station. If you want to leave a comment about anything you heard on tonight's episode or anything else about the podcast for that matter, let me tell you how you can get in touch with me because there are a few ways. First of all, just email me, sandman at parareality.com. You can also find me on the socials. Facebook is sandman.parareality. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. My uh, username on both of those accounts are at parareelradio. That's at parareelradio. Like I said, find me on Facebook, sandman.parareality. Always love it to hear from my uh, listeners, as I said at the top of the show. Feel free to send me a DM or post on my wall. And, of course, email is sandman at parareality.com. I also have that studio line that comes right in here to the secret bunker. You can always call 24-7 and leave me a message. That number is 
1170. That number again is area code 615. Then dial 692-1170 and leave me a message on the studio line. But I want you to remember this, kids. If you do decide to leave me a message, you're giving me, Sandman, permission to play your comment back on the podcast. So if you do not want that to happen, you'll need to let me know somewhere in your message. I'm always looking for interesting stories for the podcast, so if you've got a story that you'd like to get on the show, call call me, tell it to me, leave me a voicemail. If you just want to tell your story but you don't want to be on the podcast, just leave it on the voicemail. There's like a three or so minute time limit, so if you run out of time, just call back and pick up where you left off. If you want to say, hey, I love your show, if you want to say, hey, I think your show sucks, feel free to call me. If you've got an idea for a topic, feel free to call me. Like I said, if you if you think that your story is interesting enough to be a guest here on Parareality, I love to talk to people who have had really strange experiences that they can't understand, whether it's paranormal in nature, ghosts, uh, poltergeist activity. I saw a UFO. I was abducted by an alien, some sort of cryptid encounter. I saw Bigfoot. I was attacked by a chupacabra, anything like that. Anything weird and unusual that's not mainstream. If you had something weird and unusual that's happened to you and you think it's good enough to be on the podcast, email me, sandman at parareality.com or call that studio line, 615-692-1170. Also, don't forget to visit my website, parareality.com. That's a place where you can keep up on the latest paranormal news from all around the world. I've got an entire page of the website devoted to paranormal news, and the content is updated on an almost daily basis. You can also shop in the Parareality store, watch some terrible videos that I've made for the podcast over the years, and you can even listen to some of your favorite episodes or an episode you may have missed in the archive section of the website. I've got tons of audio on the website from the various incarnations of Parareality throughout the years, along with uh, my very short-lived uh, other podcast I had, Set It Off and Scared to Death. You can find all of that content for free on the archive section of my website. That's parareality.com. Make sure you check it out. Everybody, Parareality can be heard on your favorite podcast station. Just search for Parareality. If you've got a smart speaker, you can listen there too. If you've got any of those podcast skills on your device, just say, hey, Play the Parareality Podcast. I've got a YouTube account, and you can listen to the podcast there, too. You can uh, watch some show videos that I've made. Uh, I've got some uh, UFO and paranormal documentaries that I've uh, posted up there. I've got some of my own personal video that I have uh, made throughout the years. Uh, so there's, it's full of content. There are a lot of people that listen to the audio portion of the podcast on YouTube. So feel free to head on over to YouTube.com slash user slash parareality1. That's the number one. And make sure you check out my YouTube channel. And by the way, guys, if you're listening, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on, I would appreciate a rating if you would just go and give me, I hope you give me a good rating, three, four, five stars. I'll take it. Um, it helps the podcast grow. It helps get the message out there. Um, I'm not trying to be, um, you know, Joe Rogan 
I mean, I would love to get a, a lucrative contract like that, but I'm, I'm a realist. I know that's not going to happen. I just enjoy doing this podcast and talking about the topics that I talk about. I enjoy hanging out with my buddy Eric, Easy e here in the podcast studio. And I enjoy talking to normal, everyday people, just like you. That's right, you who's listening to this podcast. I love to talk to people just like you who've had something strange and unusual happen to them and just need a, an outlet. So, if you're listening to this, please give me a rating, three, four, five stars. I'll take it. I really appreciate it. It helps the podcast grow. It spreads the periality love out over the interwebs and just helps me gain a larger audience. And I would love for everybody to listen to Reality because I love doing this podcast. Speaking of Reality, the next episode is going to drop on April the 6th at 8 p.m. Central U.S. time. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. I always do the first and third Fridays of the month, so going to have a couple of weeks off. Don't worry, not going anywhere. just gives me some extra time to prepare what I hope will be an excellent topic to discuss, an excellent mystery to investigate on April the 6th. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. I hope that this podcast opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change... You must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope you have a wonderful evening, a great weekend. Got a couple of weeks off, actually three, I think. So I'll see you again on Friday, April 6th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Good night, everybody. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. With Kroger Delivery, even if you don't live near a Kroger store, you can still get fresh groceries delivered to your door. Kroger's professional drivers guarantee your food is handled with care. And their refrigerated trucks mean that every order gets you extra fresh. Visit Kroger.com and start your cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As a Boost by Kroger member, you'll enjoy unlimited free delivery all year long. Sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial at Kroger.com boost. Restrictions apply. See site for details.